Hello everyone, welcome to Cream Pot, where a group of law students gather to discuss the most recent issue on Indonesian legal work. Today, um, me and my friends, I would like to first introduce ourselves. My name is Monica as your uh, moderator for today's um, podcast. And then I have my friend here, Miss Liv. Say hi, Miss Liv. Hi, everyone. And then Kiman. Hi, everyone. Aisha. Hi. And the one and only male in this group, Kak Farhan. Hello. Okay, so thank you guys for joining um, me today in our podcast. And today we will be talking about the decriminalization on the marginalized group as the effect of law number 18 of 2013 on prevention and eradication of deforestation. So um, to start and to simplify, we will divide today's podcast into three main um, points. First, what actually happened? And second, how did we get in this situation now? And the third, what can we do about such situation? So without further ado, we will now talk about what actually happened and what are the backgrounds of this case and what's the urgency? Why do we have to talk about this? Kinan? Okay, so in this postcard, we're going to discuss about farmers, uh, especially small farmers in the forest area. As you all know, much of Indonesian land territory is covered in forests, and the forests provide a considerable economic, social, and environmental benefits for us Indonesians. Therefore, the government enacted laws and regulations to regulate the use of forests and to protect its continuity. One of the main threats to the forest <coughs> are, the, are deforestation due to illegal use of the forest, like illegal logging. Deforestation that is conducted in an organized manner is very harmful to the forest and also the environment. Indonesia enacted a specific law to combat illegal deforestation. However, there's an issue arising from this particular law. The enforcement of this law has resulted in a criminalization of small farmers who live and do their farming near or within the forest area. Consortium Pembaruan Agraria found that at least 50 farmers from 2016 to 2019, accused of illegal use of forests. These small farmers are accused of such crime because they are farming in the forest area without any permit. After we read the law and then a little bit of research regarding the farmers' charges, we come to conclusion that this criminalization is happening due to contradiction, contradicting provision within the law and also poor understanding of the law by the law enforcement itself. So oh. to explain further about the law, uh, I will pass the baton to my friends, Nislif. Okay, thank you, Kina. Uh, Monique, can I? Yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's talk about what, uh, how did we get into the situation? What is actually, you know, what's the implication within the regulation itself that is so uh, problematic, Nislif? Okay, so what Kina was talking about is the law on the prevention and eradication of forest destruction number 18, year 2013, specifically on Article 11. Well, actually that article has five paragraphs, but what we have to put attention on are paragraph four and the paragraph five. The paragraph four says, the people living in and around forest land and felling trees outside conservation forest land and protected forests for own interests and not for commercial purposes 
shall secure a permit from the authorized official according to the law and regulation. And <clears throat> paragraph five, provision on the felling of trees outside conservation forest land and protected forests for own interest and not for commercial purposes are to be provided. Okay, so there are several problematic terms in the paragraph like felling trees for own interest, not for commercial use. And the third one is shall secure a permit and the fourth one according to the law and regulation. There are no further explanation in such law and or other laws and regulation about those wordings that are not clear and also ambiguous. If we can say that it is law as unfinished law because it may harm the farmers or the marginalized people because first of all, they are actually not equipped with the education on permit and the procedures on how to make them. Secondly, the paragraph says that the paragraph will be further explained in other laws and regulation. But unfortunately, after several years that law is, has been formulated, there is no law and regulation related to that law. So basically, the law number 18 year 2013 is unclear and unfinished. Well, wow, so that is a very interesting point of view, Nislip, how, you know, how a law can actually become unfinished when there is no derivative law that uh, regulates um, regarding the certain issue on certain paragraphs. So, um, Aisha, would you care to um, explain to us uh, the, regarding, you know, the same um, issue, like how is it unclear and how, how is it unfinished? What's the implication that could actually, you know, be uh, beneficial or not beneficial for us. Okay, so I understand that this podcast is probably going to be very heavy because we, we we talk about these issues with the perspective of law student, you understand? So yeah. uh, people in general probably will find many confusions about how to read the, the paragraph, how to read the article. So maybe I would like to explain a little bit more, you know, generally about how this um, law actually have a great implications toward indigenous people and those marginalized people that somehow we forgot, we tend to forgot. Okay, as mentioned by Nislip, it's correct that we knew there are some problematic terms which consisted in the Article 11 of um, Law Number 18, 2013. This problem it too, uh, will further harm the subject of this law. Who are the subject of this law? The, the subject of this law include those marginalized groups, as mentioned, or uh, specifically the indigenous people that inhibits in the forest area in Indonesia. You know that Indonesia has a wide range of forests, right? It's like basically all trees. <laughs> yeah, basically all trees that uh, that uh, that probably inhibit in this whole world yeah. consist in Indonesia, and so there are so many so many people, uh, tribes. Um, native people that live there that they live through the nature but through this uh, law they could possibly harm their daily needs to provide that provided from the forest Nisliff has deliberately stated that the article reflect the unfinished and rather rush productions of the state law you know our our dpr usually rushing the productions of law because there are some political interests and also other economic interests which under my own analysis is correct, the consequence is rather big and harmful. So this uh, law is one of the example. So we need to focus our mind to the problematic paragraph as mentioned by Nislif. First, mm -hmm. the paragraph four of the article 11. 
I would say that this paragraph is contradictory to its previous statement in the paragraph three. So in paragraph three, uh, as you, as Mislip already mentioned, there are several paragraphs of paragraph in this article and the paragraph four specif uh, specifically contradicts with the paragraph three. It stated that in paragraph three, it is justified for people who live and all around the forest area to practice traditional farming or harvesting from wood because it's it's logical for them to live through the nature, right? But in paragraph four, it creates legal ambiguity because it requires them to have permissions from certain competent authorities. Let's say they don't actually pursue education, formal education. How, how would they know paper, academic, um, or even some, um, not even paper, let's say the bureaucracy, a bureaucracy. It would be the, very difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. very difficult for them to understand. Unfamiliar for them, right? Yeah, because it has. they have a very different um, adept laws, you know? So we, we understand the problem in the first, in the paragraph four. We move on to paragraph five. I would say that we must deem this paragraph as irrelevant because until now mm -hmm. they, they have no government regulations that regulates this matter, which caused many cases to misuse of this law, you know, government or even the law enforcers would use this law to criminalize marginalized groups that don't actually know and live through the bureaucracy that we lived in, in, in Kota Jogja, let's say. They live in the forest, so of course they live differently. So. Knowing very well from this problem, uh, Monique and also all mm -hmm. of my friends that listen to this podcast, hopefully we know that there's an interesting issue to discuss further about how Indonesian yeah. government and its people as a whole will handle this issue. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's very interesting, you know, how you and Nislev are talking about how this, you know, um, how an, a paragraph and a word can create such huge impact, you know? Like, how how is this like, um, even happen in, in this country. So is it, you know, like a common thing? Like, is there any other regulation that also, you know, uh, created like an unfinished law that um, has created like, you know, ketimpangan in the system? Right. Um, so when it comes to this, uh, I would like to step in and uh, give my response. Of uh, first of all, uh, after we managed to go over several problematic articles and several uh, very, I would say, perhaps legal terms uh, related to this law. I would like to add um, just a general, perhaps a more um, overarching perspective on why, generally speaking, uh, the law in Indonesia is, quite frankly, not the finished product. Uh, another example um, of a law which suffered from a similar fate is uh, was the law on juvenile criminal court system. Uh, now, I'm not saying that to this day, it's still unfinished. Um, improvements have been made and uh, it has been used in practice as well in multiple cases. However, back then when it was new, when it was still uh, very much um, being uh, introduced, I, I, I suppose, to the uh, system of the court because it was a uh, it was technically speaking a, a new type of court uh, it, it didn't exist beforehand and the problem with this is that there's a law but there's no further regulations or 
uh, other rules in order to explain how you should use this law. And then this creates a big problem because let's say for an, for an analogy, you read a book, but it's in a foreign language that you don't understand. Then you basically waste your time reading the book because you don't understand what's in it. And the same applies here as well. You read the law, you maybe, okay, maybe for law students, you can kind of get an idea of what's going on here or, or what are they governing about? But then how do you apply the law? And that's exactly why it, this creates a lot of rules or laws in Indonesia to be ineffective in their application because it ends up being misunderstood. It ends up being misinterpreted True. because it doesn't have any uh, additional necessary regulations at a lower level, which explain further on how it should be utilized and used in its proper field of law. Not, not to mention we have so many fields of law and so many regulations. Exactly. And there's also yeah. the overlapping uh, jurisdictions as well, regional, yeah. there's governmental, there's national level. Yes. Yeah, that's, that is very true. And, um, you know, like it's something that has um, come to the mind of us uh, law student, how, you know, one law and other law can overlap one another. And, um, you know, we've talked about the law and we've talked about the articles, but, um, uh, so that our uh, our listeners can understand, you know, what's the, what what's actually the urgency? Is there any um, uh, real cases where it actually impact negatively towards our farmers and also our indigenous people? Um, maybe uh, one of you would like to, you know, just enlighten us uh, with um, actual cases. Kina, maybe. Oh yes. Uh, so there's these cases where four farmers are arrested in Mateco in Goa. They're arrested for I think it's for planting uh, sweet potatoes within the forest. Mm -hmm. uh, they're and they're in the, arrested in the forest. by yeah in the forest and they're arrested uh, they, and they're arrested because they don't have permits. So to understand how bogus is this law is actually is for marginalized people. So in the in the in the you can say in the, in the preamble of the law they said that the the indigenous people are excluded from the subject of this criminal law because they're not an organized group, right? But then later, this law is also mentioned that in order not to be criminalized, they need to have a permit. But this law and our country doesn't not have a any law that will regulate about how they will get the permit. So they cannot get the permit in the first place. But but just because they get they don't get the permit, because there's no law about it, they get arrested. Yeah. And some of them are real conflicted. And this is our small farmers with no uh, background education with no of the enough law. income to defend them. Yeah. So, yeah, background education of the law. They don't know if that they need the permit even. So this is that's why this uh, this law needs to be changed. At least this uh, requirement that this small farmer re require a permit just to make a small living, it has to be. It has to be clear. Yeah. So um, I think Kinan is having an issue with her um, Zoom account. It's okay, Kinan. Thank you so much for the assistance. Um, yeah. So. Uh, we've talked about what actually happened. We've talked about how did we get here and how, you know, our law is overlapping and how our law is unfinished. 
And now, um, as a law student, we have to come up with a good solution, right, guys? Yeah, so, yeah, when um, someone came up with a good solution, can people um, here <laughs> help me? What kind of solution, what, what kind of changes that we can do, especially uh, when, when talking about, you know, from the perspective of criminal policy? Maybe, um, Kak Farhan? All right, okay. So, um, of course, as I've said before, that uh, there should be better uh, follow-up or a framework regarding a certain law, as in there should be a general idea or a plan that is sound in terms of uh, law creation. Let's say, for example, this law, it was, uh, was supposed to discuss about the prevention and eradication of deforestation. And content-wise, if we read through it, okay, fair enough, it's solid, it's fair. But then there's a lack of sensitivity or awareness regarding the difference in education, access to technology, and multiple varying factors that people in different regions of Indonesia might not exactly be able to experience or uh, might not have uh, access to. And then this is also why um, I think there should also be better um, coordination or some form of team that is created in order to bridge this gap between how the central government sees Indonesia uh, as a whole and how the regional government can actually report and provide more insight as of to what specifics or what culture or what customs must be taken into consideration in the creation of such laws as well. As such, um, I think when it comes to uh, law creation, there's still so much to work on and this also would benefit a lot of things because it would create a better form of legal certainty. It would also be better if laws have clear uh, procedures and um, limitations for law enforcers and also for people who work in, uh, in the field of being a legal counselor or lawyer as well. I think we as a nation would benefit so much more from better uh, planning in, in terms of law creation, yes. Okay, it's very interesting that Kafarhan mentioned several issues that we have to, as a lawyer, uh, as a law student, and also people in general knows, because like in the creations of legislative drafting and also the legal product it's a it's a product of political conditions ideology and also economic uh, uh, situations within one nation so we knew that this law could probably have their own reasonings outside the academic script they are not covered or even written there so uh, I actually have something in mind to fix this uh, already existing law knowing that the lawmaking process in Indonesia is already pretty complicated complicated yeah. to say at least <laughs> that's the word not stop there you know 
the political bargaining still proceed even until now we but but thankfully we as a law student are equipped with the knowledge that judicial review is one way to fix this existing law Monica. yeah that's yeah that's that's yeah. very interesting that you mentioned that it's one of you know the legal and most concrete things that we can do yeah yeah thankfully because like uh we can argue that at least the judicial the the judges that sit in the in the mahkamah konstitusi are actually the guardian of our constitutions so under that impressions judicial re uh, review is a is a possible step to change the existing law that if we we believe that this law already violate the constitutions it is logical because law on the forestry the previous law has taken the same steps and maybe used as the reference because it already after the judicial review of the law on the forestry there are some changes that we can use as the reference uh, towards the enactment of uh, towards the proceeding of judicial review of this law but we should not take this for granted because i'm not i'm not selling some wishful thinking <laughs> because we know that judicial review itself um, must consider the con the the current political conditions uh, so we we probably need to discuss more um, you know insights on the possibility to achieve mm -hmm. the this ultimate goal of changing the article that already existed okay sorry there are gojek driver coming around so <laughs> it's okay guys okay so yeah i think that's that's all of the things that we want to you know talk about today and i really wish that our listeners could understand how you know um, how law is very affecting towards us people, towards especially, you know, marginalized people. And it's so important for us as, not only as a law student, but as a good citizen to understand and to um, acknowledge those type of issues. And, you know, just come around and then see what we can do as a, as a good people and also a good citizen. Thank you so much, guys, for making uh, the time to talk to uh, to talk with me and to you know discuss about this issue. I wish that everyone that here and our listener and also especially for Mas Akbar can you know grasp the meaning and the you know what do we really want to say in this uh, podcast. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys, once again for coming. And I really wish that all of our listeners and my friends here are. Happy, healthy, and also, um, you know, safe. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye.